1: Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Kimberly Jansen about determining and developing leadership potential. Dr. Kimberly Jansen, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: It is a pleasure to be with you today. You're joining us from the Boston area. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about determining and developing leadership potential in members on our teams and within our organizations. I think it's one of the hallmarks of a great leader, one who can see the potential in others and help them recognize it and help them work towards developing it, providing the support to help that happen. Um, and it's... it's Unfortunately, a bit of a rarity sometimes, too, because it requires such uh, a focus on your people. It requires a lot of time and attention and, and frankly, a lot of energy. And uh, it's a different way of approaching leadership. Uh, that you know, some people don't find themselves able, you know, perhaps they don't consider themselves able to do because they they feel like they're too busy or whatever the case may be. So we're going to explore all this, unpack this together today. And as we get started, I wanted to share Kim's bio with everybody. Dr. Kimberly Jansen is CEO of Jansen Associates, a talent and organizational development company, and was named a top ten thought leader, top ten executive coach in 2021 and top 10 inspirational leader in 2022. She is also the author of Demystifying Talent Management, the winner of the Axiom Book Award. She is a business professor, doctoral chair, and director of the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations at North Central University. The book, Determining Leadership Potential, Powerful Insights to Winning at the Talent Game was released by Rootledge in 2022. Uh, I could go on and on, but I'm going to pause there. Anything else that you would like to share with me or the audience by way of your background or personal context before we dive on in?
0: I think that was a a great overview. The uh, Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations actually references my co-author, Dr. Melody Rawlings. So I'm glad that uh, she was part of the shout out. I would, I, I would only add that I've had the pleasure of working with more than 300 companies around the world. I've worked on the ground in more than 40 countries with tens of thousands of leaders. So while we've got a deep research approach, there's a lot of practical experience as well that's fueled the different uh, thought leaders. So happy to yeah. be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah, wonderful. I appreciate that. And I, I see myself in a, in a similar vein a scholar practitioner, um, you know, I do consulting work, but I'm a university professor, that's my day job. So I bring the the scholarly kind of academic approach to my consulting. I bring my consulting practitioner orientation back into my teaching and my research. I think it's a good partnership and a good pairing. And uh, hopefully uh, that allows us to, to get the best of both worlds and cross-pollinate and, and get some really cool things out to industry, but also bring it back into the university setting. And share it uh, through traditional academic channels and with students. Uh, so that's wonderful. As we get started, uh, let's talk just a little bit about the framing behind focus as a leader towards developing other people, uh, and then we can talk about how we go about determining and developing those around us. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, you know, in my from my point of view, my perspective, I think there's almost nothing more important for a leader in terms of their their characteristics, their attributes and capabilities than to be one who's invested in and focused on the betterment and development of your team. Um, yet that doesn't always happen. In fact, it's a little bit more rare uh, in my experience uh, to see leaders who are truly invested in that. Um, why do you think that is? Uh, what? Why do you think it's so important to have a, a leadership mentality around developing others uh, and anything else you'd like to say just by way of setting things up?
0: Yeah. So there were a number of great questions in there. Why do I think that is? I think there are so many competing priorities to run a business effectively and think about how leaders got there. They were the best in some functional area. And so, you know, Marshall Goldsmith's great book, What Got You Here Won't Get You There. Most people haven't read it (laughs) (laughs) and they need to because relying on functional expertise is quite limiting and doesn't create sustainability in an organization. And there is a set of things that can be done that only leaders can do. And I think that the leaders just haven't been shown the way. A lot of times when you come out of a big house like PepsiCo, right, or Bank of America, they have gotten the joke around this, and they have done really strong work around creating an infrastructure where that becomes more evident and that you learn the skills on how to do that work well if you haven't come through one of those big houses then you probably haven't had that socialized and then the the second part why do the work not only is it from the sustainability perspective but most people have blind spots you know most yeah. people don't understand how others are experiencing them they have tried their best to take something to a level. They find it acceptable. They need some encouragement or clarity or clearing of the way to help them develop in different areas. So I I think those are all compounding factors that lead to a place where we're actually underutilizing people as a consequence.
1: And that's really what I see as the biggest downside of all of this is You know, certainly from a human perspective, I think it's important to value people, to invest in people, to develop people, Uh, people live their best lives, their most meaning driven and fulfilled lives uh, when that happens. So, you know, from that perspective, absolutely, I think it's important. But from a strictly like organizational success, leadership success perspective, um, the best way to have long term, sustainable, ongoing, perpetual, positive results is through developing the people around you. And I just don't see another way around that. And so it, it kind of baffles me when I see uh, leaders who probably conceptually understand the need, but in reality where the rubber meets the road, they just aren't putting the time, the energy, the resources behind the actual development of their people. They're not building the bench strength and they're not leaning on the expertise of their people the way they should. Like you said, so many leaders, they come up, you know, they, sometimes leadership, formal leadership roles are kind of thrust upon them. They don't even want them, but they just kind of find themselves in a position where they're, they're tapped uh, to take on a role. They have no real background or understanding of leadership. So really, all they do is leverage their expertise in a previous role, uh, probably model or mimic what they saw previous supervisors or leaders do that they worked for. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Um, a lot of times it's not uh, because they don't really know what they're doing and it's trial and error and they're just trying to figure it out. The vast majority of leaders find themselves in that kind of situation. And when you find yourself in that situation and and you're leaning too much on your own expertise uh, from mm-hmm. your previous functional role that you might have played, um, then you, you simply won't be in a position to, first of all, recognize the unique contributions and roles of everyone in the team because you're going to be focused primarily on your area of expertise. Uh, But two, you're not going to be in a position to really help develop the other people around you because you're going to be too in the weeds on things you shouldn't be in the weeds on, and you're going to be too oblivious on other things you just know nothing about and you're not really involving everyone.
0: As
1: I see it, there, there really is truly no effort that is more uh, timely and important for any leader uh, to be engaging in than to take a step back ask yourself the question you know what are the needs of my team and the individual members of my team what where are their skills where are their competencies at uh, what capabilities can I help them develop taking that that time and then putting a plan in place having conversations with your people and and then working towards it is really important and and even more, perhaps then a, a structured development approach, just creating a culture and a dynamic where everyone recognizes there's a culture of learning, there's a culture of development. Everyone's expected to continually push the envelope and expand their expertise and, and work collectively and collaboratively, you know, across the aisle to get stuff done, et cetera. When we can create that kind of an environment, then things take off. Then, then as a leader, you look amazing um, because, so many wonderful things are happening. And it's not because you did them, it's because you empowered the people around you to do them, the people who have the expertise to be able to do it in the first place.
0: I'd add two ideas to that. I think it also is a matter of tone from the top. Yeah. You know, the CEOs who get it are able to push some of what you just mentioned out. But well, the CEOs who understand that it's a critical business imperative then pay homage to the due diligence that's required there. So as I think about it, if we were to write a three-year strategic plan and plant a flag over here, which most organizations don't even have a simple three-year strategic plan. And then I back into it and I say, here's my year one operating plan plus year two plus year three. And many organizations don't do a good job even around goal setting in a given year. But if I do one plus two plus three, it should get us to that destination. The secret sauce is to lay your talent plan right over it to make sure that you have the skills and capabilities and resources for folks to evolve in the way that you want your organization to evolve. And then to create some accountability to leaders to execute on the talent plans they should be creating or development plans, in your language, that matches up to the business direction. And when CEOs understand that synchronization and work it as one of their three big levers. And I think those are the three big, big levers for a three CEO. Then it becomes obvious and it becomes more who we are versus in many organizations. It's something that sometimes we do. It's often driven by HR. It's often disassociated from other things and there's very little accountability for folks on, you know, there's no teeth in, in, in the effort to hold people accountable for that. So I would, I would add those to some of the things that you shared as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. So let's pretend for a moment that we understand the business imperative. We understand there's hopefully some top-down messaging, top-down support. Uh, Hopefully I, as a leader, I get it. I understand why uh, this would be important for me. That's a really good, important first step. perhaps you know, that gets you 50% of the way there, even just be having that level of Mm -hmm. awareness. Um, But then you actually need to understand and determine what the needs are. Um, You need to understand, you know, where your people are at, you need to be able to meet them where they're at, and then you need to work with them uh, towards that development. What, in your experience, what has been some of the best ways to go through that process of determining the gaps, determining the strengths that can be built upon determining, you know, the, the, Uh, The areas that perhaps your team is a little weak in that uh, different people can kind of lead out on um, or that you can focus your efforts uh, to develop, uh, you know, competencies across the team.
0: Yeah, a shout out to the importance of this piece, because we often, I mean, what is it? A a several hundred billion dollar business leadership Mm -hmm. development, but in many cases, it's the absolute closing the door after the horses left the barn because we haven't selected the right leaders first. So what you're talking about in terms of getting a good handle on the talent that we have and choosing talent to bring into the organization appropriately, I think is the, the missing key to really having transformational work done on the leadership front. I've worked with tens of thousands of leaders around the world. And many absolutely should not be in their role. And they're in their role f- because they were chosen for the wrong reason. Yeah. Sometimes it's past performance. And while we love good performance and we don't want to shortchange on that, it doesn't mean that that's the right person to be the next leader. And past performance isn't a predictor of future performance in a different role. And so to your question about what are the ways, I appreciate a good assessment. So, uh, I have a website called Determining Leadership, Ass- uh, excuse me, Determining Leadership Potential.com. Mm-hmm. And it's got a list of common assessments and their purpose. I have favorites like the Hogan Executive Assessment, is a really good litmus of uh, uh, competencies, values, derailers, but they also give you a normative comparison that helps you have a sense of, wow, I'm really far to the left or right on something. And as a consequence, I probably have some blind spots because if every if the norm is in the middle, I think things are much less or much more, and I should be aware of that. So the Hogan or some personality style instruments, there's others around intelligence that are, are a good uh, foundation to get a sense of people's um, uh, cognitive strength. Emotional intelligence is a critical component of being successful. There's some good assessments there. You can't deny the power of a good 360. The higher you go up in an organization, the more I advocate for a qualitative 360 versus a quantitative 360, because I find in those reports, the qualitative, we really do get at the things that are holding people back. And through those assessments, the the top four things I look for as I work with folks that are m- the most reliable predictors of potential are intelligence, personality, motivation, and learning agility. Does that answer your question?
1: Baseline, just recognize the need for assessment in determining. Right? Yeah. You you don't have um, any magical powers of discernment. Uh, this is something I think sometimes leaders think they they really think. Well, I've been successful. I've had you know, all, you know, I've, I've had all this high level of performance, clearly, people um, think I'm the right one for this job. And so, you know, by the virtue of me being in this position, I'm clearly qualified to determine, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you fill in the gaps um, with all these like, magical discernment powers that leaders are supposed to supposedly have, and they don't, they just don't. And it it's, it's their own personal biases bleeding in um, their own, you know, experiences with different leadership styles and approaches, their own approach. And what ends up happening more often than not is they simply are looking for people who are like them, uh, whether they fully realize or recognize that or not, they're looking for people who have similar skill sets, similar traits, similar attributes as they do. And so when they go about trying to develop those around them, they're, tr- you know, perhaps inadvertently, but often essentially trying to develop other people to, to be like them. And that's yeah. not what we need. That's not what we need. And so First of all, just recognizing no, you don't have any magical power of discernment. No, you're not really going to be any better at determining um, through an eyeball test or even you know interactions with your team. You're not necessarily going to be any better at determining uh, who's going to be excellent in various roles or or whatever than anyone else. Um, so pulling in these types of assessments that can give you a more objective view of things and getting feedback from a variety of people, like with the 360 uh, suggestion, all of that can then inform your intuition. It can inform your thinking. And I think you'll often find that you're going to go in in stronger directions when you have the baseline kind of assessment data uh, to feed into how you're going to work on developing uh, the people around you. Um, One interesting thing that I think is going to be really, you know, we're just going to have to watch and see how it unfolds is, is AI and how um, deep machine learning is already being leveraged, you know, chat GPT, it's being leveraged uh, in a variety of ways in organizations. Um, But as, as organizations start to figure out how to apply this AI technology uh, within their own organizational system uh, and determine, you know, good leaders, great leaders, determine, uh, existing team members and their competencies, I think there's probably going to end up being a really great uh, level of sophistication and and uh, the ability to, to flag and highlight individuals within a, a given organizational context around some of the things we've been talking about uh, so that in real time, you can see some of those assessment pieces. Um, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that.
0: Yeah. I'll add two ideas. One is back to your um, concept of a leader may not have a good handle on their actual competence in choosing folks. One of the things I see that is missing is they're not trained behaviorists. So there's a lot of subtleties that are offered in interviews or exchanges and God bless people. They tell us so much more about themselves than they think, than they think Mm -hmm. they do. And so the assessment data, if you have really strong observational skills and are have just even a little training as a behaviorist, then you can use the assessment data as directional to then ask follow-up questions, behavioral based questions that helps you understand how people think, et cetera. So assessment is just a input, but it's also the competence of the lens of the person that is receiving the data and then how they're observing their folks. And I think that is an under point. On the AI front, I couldn't agree more. And actually, I'm doing some work in that space right now for uh, exactly that benefit. How do we build a tool that leaders can benefit by that can accelerate their thinking and help? Um, assimilate information and make it more predictive. So I I think you're right
1: on the money there. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So let's assume now we we recognize the need. We've set up a system for determining the gaps. Now we have identified what needs to happen, what development needs to be occurring with different members of our team. Um, Maybe in our last few minutes together, what would be some of those first steps now in starting to develop that kind of leadership plan to develop the the potential around us?
0: Yeah, I I think certainly there's a a two-part answer to that. The first is over the next 12 months, what should be my short-term focus? And typically assessment input or what are my goals? What does the business need for me? Those are good areas of focus for a development plan for a given year. But then the duality of thinking, where do I want to be long-term? Even if you don't have a destination, but you have more of a direction, then having conversations with folks who are where you want to be, informational interviews to think about the world of possibility, then those are good things to seed into your journey earlier rather than later. From a company's perspective, Companies who put people in different places over time have a result of people having judgment. Judgment is formed over a large variety of experiences over time, and so you've got to, you need to be intentional with that. And so, not only should we provide coaching and mentoring and uh, immediate feedback on the absence or presence of things that they're working on, but we need to also think in long-term and intentionally about where we can put folks in different places to build their judgment. Because frankly, when I sit with CEOs or boards and go through talent planning, the thing that prevents people from getting the nod most is they will say things like, "Mm, they're just not ready. But what they're really saying is, I don't trust their judgment. And so I think as you think about embarking on this, that's a long-term play. So working immediately to have that as an outcome is a strong recommendation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Developing that judgment, um, that emotional intelligence, uh, the ability to, to understand and read situations, um, in those interpersonal contexts, that's so important. It's really hard, um, you know, that's not something that just happens overnight. You know, it's a hard thing that you have to work at uh, continually over a long period of time, like you said. Um, So we can start now by helping our people develop those skill sets, regardless of what their current role is and regardless of what we think their future roles might be. I think we're going to be benefited from people developing those skill sets. But ultimately, yes, to everything you said, uh, we need to recognize the importance. We need to be able to determine the gaps. We need to then put together a plan. Um, that's personalized for each individual to help them actually unlock their potential, develop their leadership competencies and capabilities so they are ready when the, the that role comes to them and they're not floundering for the first six months or year uh, trying to figure out what they're doing because, because they they've had no preparation. And that's what so often happens. Well, Kim, this has been a great conversation. I know at the time, I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute. Before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, and then give us the final word on the topic for today.
0: Thanks. Um, you can reach me at jansenassociates.com. You can reach me directly at kim at jansenassociates.com. We wrote a book because this is so important. It was just launched a few months ago, determiningleadershippotential.com. But as mentioned, we built a companion website, which is determiningleadershippotential.com. And the intent is to really help people become much more capable and have resources and tools. The other book, the, The Demystifying Talent Management, is a really good companion handbook on all of the fundamental pieces you'll hear about that's people related, takes the mystery out of it. So feel free to reach out to me in any of those ways. The The final word is that leadership matters and that it is a science and a very specific set of skills that need to be honed and practiced and developed just like your golf swing. You know, you, mm. just because you watch golf doesn't mean – that you can play golf. And we're just kind of crazy about leadership in that the person speaking French beautifully on Friday, well, you're so good at that. Go speak Mandarin on Monday. And so I think we need to give it more respect because the consequences are really on a multiplier now because we've got so many people who are dependent upon that person being competent. So leadership matters. It's well worth the investment of time. It's a learnable skill. If you have high intelligence, no personality derailers, high motivation and high learning agility, I'd bet the farm on those folks.
1: Yeah, well said. Kim, it's been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Kim can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.
0: Ew, gotta get rid of this old Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Tell me why. Because it stinks, boys. Tell me why. I've washed it so many times but the odor won't come out. Tell me why. No, you tell me why I can't get rid of this odor. Have you tried Downy Rinse and Refresh? It doesn't just cover up odors, it helps remove them. Wow, it worked,
1: guys. Downey Rinse and Refresh removes more odor in one wash than the leading-value detergent in three washes. Find it wherever you buy laundry products.